We believe that complex health problems are better solved collaboratively and best informed by data. Healthy by Design, presented by the Health Collaborative, explores people and projects leading the charge to improve health and healthcare in greater Cincinnati and beyond. Join us for conversations, interviews, and the occasional deep thought on how we're collectively solving healthcare's toughest challenges. This episode is sponsored by Tier One Healthcare. From onboarding on day one to creating a sustained culture of safety and filling any gaps with interim leaders, Tier 1 Healthcare's clinical and performance experts are ready to partner with you to activate your healthcare strategy through your people. Unleash your team's potential and meet your strategic goals. Learn more at tier1healthcare.com. Welcome back to Healthy by Design. I'm Brian, and with me, as always, I have Krista. Uh, Today, we're going to talk to Dustin Shell and Barbara Boyne from Tier 1 Healthcare. They're going to tell us a little bit about their experiences in and out of the healthcare industry. And uh, I would like to take this moment to let uh, Dustin and Barbara introduce themselves. Sure. Hi, I'm Barbara Boyne. I um, got my start a long time ago in nursing and nursing leadership. And uh, with my work there, I early on got really hooked on what I call uh, the understanding about the universal nature of humans, meaning we're all really the same, what we want, how we, how we work, and you know what really makes us tick. After my um, my work in nursing, I decided I really love change, and I love the leading change. So I had a great opportunity to work in hospital performance improvement, and it was at a time when uh, organizations were just starting to form alliances. Um, so, for example, I got to help with some system integration in this market with TriHealth, and I learned a ton about how people perform in organizations under stress, and it really um, enlightened me and allowed me to work at all levels of the organization with all different kinds of staff. So now uh, I'm working with Tier 1 and helping organizations improve their quality and safety, and our focus, um, and my focus, continues to be on people kind of takes me full circle back to my original hook into healthcare about just understanding that we're so much the same. So that's a little about me. That's uh, fantastic. And that uh, people who enjoy change, you've certainly seen enough of it over your career uh, and, and helping facilitate that now. That's fantastic. Uh, Dustin, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, similar to Barbara, I've got this just passion for people and really trying to understand who they are and why they do or don't do what they do. And ultimately, I've been driven by this this concept of helping people be their, be their best self or do their best work. And that's taken me some really fascinating places, uh, going from, from music to counseling to instructional technologies. Uh, one of my first gigs was in the College of Nursing, where I was helping faculty do better simulations, helping them put their programs online, doing really cool things with technology to help do things like differential diagnosis with the same effectiveness, but in an online format. And uh, and then coming to Tier 1, I, I've really gotten to explore all kinds of different industries and have had some, some good touch points with healthcare. But in general, I found what Barbara is saying is people are people and the organizations have an opportunity to really bring out the best in them or the worst in them. And so I've gotten to stand up whole enterprise onboarding experiences, uh, habit and culture change experiences, executive development and uh, strategic alignment with teams. And it's actually taken me full circle back to healthcare to bring all of that experience back into healthcare and help them do their best work. So super excited about what we're talking about today. Great. And we're, we're really excited to have both of you here uh, to talk to us. I'm going to ask you uh, to take maybe just a minute. I know you both work for Tier 1 Healthcare. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about maybe the company goals and and, uh, what you actually do there? 
Yeah, I'll take that one. Barbara actually was part of an acquisition, uh, Compass Clinical, where they had incredible expertise and specialization in compliance and regulatory work, where they were improving the cultures of safety and quality. And they also did a lot of process improvement work, standing up uh, lean practices and operations within the organization. And over the past couple of years, we've been, and part of why I was engaged on the team, was to unify that strength, that deep clinical and operational expertise with what Tier 1 has to bring, which is deep expertise and understanding of people and change management and learning and training and create a, uh, a unified, integrated offering that is uh, it's hard to beat in the market right now. So your work in healthcare, can you tell me what makes it important? That one. You know, as I as I mentioned before, it's really about people in healthcare in particular. I mean, it's it's a service industry and it's heavily, heavily dependent upon the skill, expertise and ability of the people to connect with um, patients seeking care and being able to take care of people when they're frightened and maybe not at their best. So for me, being able to stand up and work with that day in and day out is just an incredibly difficult uh, career path. And being able to help those people do what they do is really important for me. Thanks so much, Barbara. Um, Both of you kind of mentioned before that Tier 1 really focuses on the strategy behind the people. Like you said, it's a service industry. So can you tell me a little bit more about what it means to either of you to activate strategy through people? You know, every organization I've ever worked for has had a strategy or multiple strategies or the strategy changed as the environment changed. And, um, you know, we had it on paper, we, we had it throughout the organization. But ultimately, in order to make that strategy come to life, it takes the people. And the people are really the engine of the change to get to the strategy, to actually implement the strategy, to make that strategy work. So engaging people is really a requirement. You can't do that without engaging your people and getting them involved in executing that strategy. And that engagement, you know, takes a lot of forms about communication. It's about uh, how people can relate to the goal and the strategy. What's their part in it? How can they be motivated to engage in it? So how do you engage that staff that's on the front line? You know, for for me, I tend to think of this in terms of what motivates people intrinsically. Um, and so there's, uh, I pull from a couple different places here, but I always think about it. Uh, relationships, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. thing is appreciating that the only reason people really do anything is to feel connected, to feel like they belong, that they matter. And, uh, and one of the things we say is that work is the context for relationships. And so if you want to engage your people, help them feel like they belong, like they matter. Like when they show up, they're making a difference and that they belong to the group that they're with. Autonomy, I started the gamification practice at Tier 1, and I did a lot of studying on, on motivation here. And a big part of engagement is choice. You know, inherent playing games is the question, do you want to play a game? And choice is a big part of us wanting to do, wanting to play by the rules. And so to do that, if you want to engage your people, you have to create choice for them. And that means not holding them accountable and punishing them when they're wrong, but making the rules clear and then making the principles and values clear and then trusting them to make the choice uh, like adults and then hold them accountable and having conversations when it's not right. So engagement and choice go hand in hand. 
Then the other thing is mastery. So I talked to this nurse recently who spent 10 years as a nurse, and then she finally became a nurse manager. And she said, I had no training. And in the first week, I realized I had no idea how the money works. And I got, had to do my first staff staffing list. And she's like, I had no idea how to do it. And at that moment, she, she said she had to decide, am I going to quit or am I going to teach myself how to do it? And I think inherent that is if you want people to engage, you have to help them grow and help them feel like they're successful because that's how you lose people. When they feel like they can't be successful, um, they will quit. They'll leave. That's why turnover is so high. And that's why people come out of these leadership gigs because we haven't equipped them to be successful. And then um, purpose was, is the last thing I think about with motivating frontline. And honestly, healthcare is in a really cool place here because almost everyone you talk to in healthcare is, is signing up to do this work because it means something to them. So you've got a really incredible opportunity to tap into the why. What I've experienced so far is that because there's this inherent why, this purpose behind the work, it's easy to ignore it, honestly, because you've got it kind of built in. And so all the little changes that happen every day, why we're changing the system, why we're changing this policy, why we're changing this process, get lost and we just expect people to just do it. And we miss the opportunity to help them connect it back to what really is important. It's not just about cleaning the room so you get a good patient satisfaction score. It's about cleaning it so they don't get an infection on the floor. It's about taking care of people, which is why they signed up for the work in the first place. And so there's a, so for me, like that's kind of like why people do what they do. Um, and and we'll, if we can tap into the intrinsic motivators, we're way more likely to get an engaged frontline. Oh, that's fantastic. You touched a little bit on, you know, some change fatigue, you know, with things happening in and out of the workshop or in out of the healthcare industry and, and some of the leadership maybe. Uh, empowering their employees. What I might ask is, do you have some little nuggets or anything maybe a healthcare uh, leaders could focus on? Uh, just some little items to maybe hone in on to help them engage their staff? I would suggest um, going back to the basics and really focusing on keeping people safe and keeping patients safe, particularly creating an environment where the patients get the right care in the right place at the right time. That may sound really simple, but that's a complex concept, and it requires a village of people making good decisions and communicating very, very well among themselves to make that happen. So when leaders create a culture um, where, where that does happen, then patients are safer and um, they get better care and our communities are, are healthier. So... Again, back to the people side of things, you can't do that without investing in our people. So I would say the other focus really should be around selecting and onboarding um, so that they're getting the best people in those roles and providing the right career advancement and continued investment that really creates a culture of growth, respect, and, and health. If I could build on that too, I love all of that. And what I'll also acknowledge is, you know, coming from uh, the corporate side of the world outside of healthcare. Initiative fatigue is not uncommon. A lot of how we how we help to kind of shift away from the, the initiative or project or flavor of the month fatigue is is to find ways to integrate in the work. So it doesn't feel like another program. It's just changing the way that we work. And the way that you do that is just start with your leaders, like Barbara said, and you work through the work patterns that already exist, existing meetings, existing huddles, existing conversations, existing documents, so that it's not an initiative. It's about making things better ongoing. And, and I have really found that to be successful, especially when you start by understanding what people on the front line want to change and you start helping them see that change happen in the work. 
I really love your answers. I think stressing the it's not an initiative, we're going to ingrain this in our culture and what it's really about is so, so important for people to be able to take ownership of things and be able to really reinforce those skills to set them up for success instead of, you know, being that nurse and being like, I don't have the tools to do my job. I think that's a really right. great point to stress. To your, your point about, you know, investing in your people. So that, that change fatigue and in, uh, uh, initiative fatigue, you called it, um, just really investing in those people and making sure that they're a part of the process and, and integrating those changes into their workflows. I really, I really like that. Kind of switching gears, I want to get a little bit more personal. So I'd like for both of you to answer this question, and it can be as long or as short as you want it to be. So what about healthcare keeps you up at night? Well, I'll say, um, I'll go back to safety because I know right now in every hospital in the United States, people are suffering because we don't always get it right. Obviously, most a lot of people in healthcare are scientists. So we have processes, we have policies, and we're beginning um, to develop standard work, which I, I think is critical. And a lot of other industries have already figured that out. But in healthcare, I think it's a fairly new concept, and it's one that's um, spreading slowly, but nonetheless spreading. And the reason that that's really important is um, I had dinner with an executive from a nuclear power industry, and he told me that when they provide training, they use healthcare as an example of what not to do. And that was stunning to me and concerning, of course. And he talked about that standard work, about, you know, in the airline industry, in the nuclear power industry... They take that standard work as the, the gospel and everyone follows it. Nobody deviates because if they do, they can kill thousands of people or hundreds and thousands of people. So that procedural error or that procedural practice is really, really critical. And they talk about how healthcare makes it optional. And they think we get away with it because we only kill one person at a time. So that was a real wake-up call for me to think about, you know, what can I do? What can we do in organizations to, um, you know, we don't want to stifle creativity and we don't want everyone acting as automatons, but we do want to follow a certain script and a certain protocol when we know that that's the safest way to deliver care. That was fantastic. Yeah, I like the example of healthcare uh, being the example of what not to do, because um, I myself have worked in healthcare and both inpatient and in leadership a bit, and uh, that's <laughs> it rings a little bit too true. Yeah, I think it's a tough place for organizations to be when there's so much at stake. You almost get, and it's a service-based business. I think where where, where it's an unfair comparison is like, um, and this is just us riffing, but. Healthcare is really a service industry where you need people to be creative and spontaneous. I mean, that's how you get these incredible service stories from Disney and Ritz Carlton. But you need also the the compliance and quality and safety mindsets of the military. It's a really tough thing to expect of anybody. Well, do you think um, consumerism changes the face of healthcare? How do you think that? is uh, applied, um, the, the, just the whole consumer uh, capitalist market we use for healthcare industry. Well, I'm super excited that consumerism is starting to change the face of healthcare. You know, I think about growing information in a variety of ways that people are getting information about their health, how they can 
create a healthier life for themselves, where in the past, you know, they, there was a typical reliance on the physician making a prescription for them. But I think now people really have a lot more options and, they, and there's a lot more information out there. The other piece that I think is really important in what's happening is that people have more fiscal responsibility for their health care. So in the past, we might have had really good insurance. And so we could, we could have that procedure, that test without worrying too much about the cost. Well, now many of us have high deductible health plans or we have a higher um, out-of-pocket that we're required to pay. So with that new information and then the fiscal responsibility, I think choice is really coming into play a lot more uh, than in the past. As consumers of healthcare instead of patients of healthcare, we might choose to skip a test or procedure and we might choose to consider a different provider or a different modality. So I, I think it's definitely challenging the historical patterns that we've had in the U.S. And I think in the future, you know, we're going to have to develop some options where patients or consumers, I'll use that word because I like it better, consumers of healthcare think that, you know, it's affordable and it meets their personal preference. So I, I think it's an exciting time for us. It really is. There's so much opportunity for improvement, not, not just in the patient experience or the consumer experience, but also the way we think about the culture and operation side. I was poking around on the internet and I was uh, looking at how Qualtrics was talking about, which is a data analytics company. And they, they compare, they talk about it as the X's and the O's, the experience data and the operational data. And I, I really feel like it speaks to the dynamic here where when you're thinking about an experience, there's two sides you can look at it in the business. There's the patient experience and there's the operational experience. And what I have noticed as I've been digging more into the healthcare world is I would say the healthcare world tends to focus so much on the operational data and metrics. And, and the this, this shift to consumerism is, is just begging them to look outside of themselves and to look out and up and around to start shifting a little bit or maybe integrating, maybe not shifting, but balancing the, the tension between what a patient experiences, what they value most from you at every step of the process, as well as the operational needs um, so that you get paid well, so that you have the throughput you need and all those other safety and quality metrics that matter. Uh, it's just a really cool place to be for, for healthcare, honestly. Yeah, I've really noticed a shift, especially, and not to open up a whole nother can of worms with the opioid epidemic. I mean, the data we have on it is just overwhelming at times, but I really admire some of the providers and leadership that are kind of saying, okay, we have to stop seeing this as data because behind these data points and overdose points are deaths and people are really struggling. So what are we going to do? So I think when you start to change the mindset of, you know, these shifting away from patient to maybe that, I kind of like that term of the healthcare consumer and how we can better perform and better take care of them and keep them safe. I think that's really powerful. But I wanted to ask you guys, are there any examples of a healthcare consumer that really touched your heart or maybe a project you've worked on at Tier 1 that really changed your view of the world? You know, that's bringing to mind, this is really about a physician and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up because I think of this as a, this example as kind of illustrating Someone who reacted to a situation in a way that was more consumer-based than I'll than I'll say traditional traditional physician-based. Let me just tell the story. <laughs> so, there was an interventional cardiologist who um, had 
performed a procedure on a patient and there was a bad outcome. And um, he, the family, of course, was uh, quite upset. And I had not worked with this uh, person, this physician before, so I wasn't sure how the meeting was going to go when we met with the family. But, you know, we came together and the thing that just moved me so much was, of course, the family was devastated and they had a lot of questions about what happened and why did it happen. And this physician took the route that I just think was the, the perfect route. He um, was transparent with them. He said, you know what? I didn't expect this to happen. Uh, I've looked at it. I've taken a close look at why it happened. I'm, not, I'm still not sure. You know, it, it has kept me up at night, I have to tell you. He so candidly said that he did. He kind of walked through, here are all the things I thought about, here are all the things I did. He showed so much about how he cared about this family and what had happened. You know, ultimately, uh, he did everything in his power. It just didn't come out right. Such a tribute to him for just being human in the way that he dealt with this family. And I, you know, I, I think that's, that's, it was just a wonderful example and it did truly touch me. Dustin, do you have uh, any any projects or anything that might have changed your view of the world or at least of healthcare? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's not a it's not a healthcare story, but a recent project I was on. I was helping a uh, cruise line think through the best way to pay their hospitality crew. And the reason this was so impactful is because when you think about it, gratuity is something that's been embedded in our culture as a social norm for over a century, right or wrong. And so you might think that it's a pretty normal practice, but this leader I was working with just had this belief that it wasn't going to get the culture they wanted. They wanted an authentic and caring culture that didn't wasn't going after a sob story, wasn't going after the tip. They want they were doing it because it was the right thing to do, it was the fun thing to do, it was the engaging thing to do. And so we hit a lot of roadblocks in that. We we helped them make that decision. They end up moving away from it. But what it came down to is I just I just saw I just saw the impact of a leader who made a value-based decision, not because it was the easy choice or the obvious choice. In fact, it was it went against so much of what <laughs> the current data would tell you is the normal thing to do in this situation. And the verdict is still out and how it's going to play out for them. But when I think about healthcare, there are so many choices like that that have to be made around the way that we operate, the way we treat our people, how we balance the X's and the O's. It's going to be it's going to come down to a leader making value based decisions because there's no new there's no uh, standard out there for the next generation of healthcare. That was a really interesting um, tidbit because I, I like the idea of, you know, leader. I mean, it takes a leader to make change uh, and someone has to be the first to step up and make that make that change in any organization or any industry. So but if you could give your best tip for making the world a better place, uh, what uh, what tip would you have for us? <laughs> oh, man, boiled my whole life down into one tip. OK, um, here we go. I would say uh, my wife's a counselor. And so I have the benefit of getting that kind of um, thought partner in life. And one of the things that she has, has coached me on is that everyone in every interaction is always asking themselves two questions. Do I matter and do I belong? And if you can help them say yes to those two questions in every interaction, you will make the world a better place. And, uh, and I think that scales to an organization saying that about their people. I think that's a leader saying that about their team or, you know, a parent saying that to their kids or their spouse. And so uh, to me, like that is what life boils down to those two questions. Wow. You see why I like working with Dustin so much? 
Absolutely. <laughs> he fosters that atmosphere every single day. So I'll just say that, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's simple. Just be kind to each other and recognize that we all have the same needs to feel safe, contribute, be a part of things, love and be loved. And that's the best. I love that. That's the best. I love that. I feel like I need to design a poster or a greeting card right now with two questions like the do I matter, do I belong, open it up, and it's like, just be kind. And that's it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us. It's been fantastic. Dustin and Barbara, thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Dustin and Barbara's current work, please visit tier1healthcare.com. Thanks again to our guests. Original music provided by Stephen W. Kuffner.